not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with Welcome back to Get Real, the podcast where we get real about all of our favourite pop culture, movies and TV shows. My name is Sam and with me, as always, every single week, but this week is a special week because we've got the podcast host of the year, we've got Chris Warburton. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. I couldn't have done it without... without um everyone that supported me along the way everyone that got us through these 70 oh, odd plus hang episodes on. sorry chris and- um i've just i've just beep, 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 beep. i've just had news in that we're actually it's not it wasn't the podcast awards this year chris i'm i'm really sorry chris it it was actually the oscars and you've not won anything oh. i'm sorry bro it's like moonlight all over again <laughs> <laughs> oh god we'll wipe those i didn't tears. even get around to thanking my other co-host sam oh here i am oh. well wipe oh. your tears chris because we've got a big episode today where we're talking about the oscars 2021 the 93rd academy awards <laughs> that was that was a thing that happened wasn't it almost as much the, of a roller was... coaster as that intro Oh, that was a a doozy this year, wasn't it? Things happened. (laughs) It was an interesting one this year, and it's almost as weird that it happened normally than it was the most normal thing that's happened on TV in recent recent months, to be honest with you. But we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that, Chris. So before we talk about the Oscars, what have you been watching this week? I have actually watched a fair bit of stuff <laughs> okay um, most of it's like star in new series to see what's going on and stuff nice so uh last night well we both watched this we both watched promising young woman yes what would you uh it was pretty good what would you get what would you say what would you say um i don't know how i'd score it at the moment i thought it was fantastic um i think carrie mulligan is phenomenal in everything was you quite surprised um, by uh, Bo Burnham in this? Um, I thought I, I was pleasantly surprised, considering he's like a, a comedian, really, rather than an actor. Yeah, you definitely. It was definitely him. Like it was just Bo Burnham playing himself with like a bit of a history. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't think he really stretched his acting chops very much. No. Um. Especially like that scene in the pharmacy and stuff like that was just quality, like original Bo Burnham. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, his, I think uh, the script think... was sharp as anything. Yeah, and I, think um, that's I liked why the I way they him. flipped certain things on the head. It's like, like they took all the generic sort of, you know, like the things that people say during like rape and sexual assault cases, and they just like. They took that and they just twisted the words to just like correct the narrative and stuff like that. Yeah, I just think the way that stuff like that was written was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, the I don't know, some of the settings felt very strange to me. Like it was like all kind of hyper realistic in certain places, which I loved, and but also was like, huh? <laughs> At the same time, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I don't... Um, 
Probably the awards that it was nominated for and the awards that it won, it probably got the ones that it deserved to win. I don't think it was necessarily as much of a contender for Best Picture as some of the other films. I would Um, definitely say that this film goes down in history as one of the most uncomfortable intros to a film that I've ever watched. uh, Yeah, so I watched this with the missus and she didn't know anything about it and she watched it and I could see her getting like visibly tense and stuff like that. But me knowing what happens, I was like, yeah, okay. I I know there's going to be a point where this turns and it's going to make it kind of like not as hard to watch because I know there was like a twist coming whereas I think from a girlfriend not knowing that twist was coming it was a very hard opening scene to watch oh yeah defo it was really uncomfortable but it had uh, Alfred Molina our Doc Ock in there that was quite surprised it did thought yeah he when he appeared I was like please don't be a really shitty guy well he was like a relatively shitty guy but you know, he was a remorseful shitty guy. Yeah. He was the one that was on the other side of it all. He was atoning, you know. He was uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, what else have you? It's watched? great to see Alison Brie and stuff as well. Yeah, I'll, yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah. But it was very, very cool. witty, um, ball busting. Love it. Yeah. Um, what else have I watched? Um, I started Shadow on Bone on Netflix. You know the new fantasy series uh, we were talking yeah. about a while ago? I've not started this yet. I've watched the trailer. I've heard good things about it, but I wasn't massively sure or not whether it was going to be good or not. So like, just to really quickly summarise it, what was your thoughts on it? Um, so I watched the first two episodes. I'm really intrigued by it, but also very confused it, considering its world has got like a lot of things that it has to set up, it doesn't really explain any of it at all. Um, even at the end of episode two, like there's still like core fundamentals to like the world building that I still don't quite understand. Yeah, it's like mo- it's trying to focus on building a lot of characters out, um, which I think if it's going to get multiple seasons would work fine mm-hmm. um, in the long run. But the first two episodes, it means like you're trying to take a lot in it's almost like you know when game of thrones started only at the beginning of game of thrones the world was kind of easy to understand wasn't it yeah um because they didn't introduce fucking dragons and zombies and shit until like a little bit further in yeah um so yeah it just i'm not 100 percent on it yet just because it's still a little bit confusing like i think the witcher did a better way of like establishing its world and like just everyone's on the same page from sort of episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, it's really cool. The, the actors in it, on the most part, are pretty damn good. Um, a lot of them are small British actors. It seems to have the entire cast of Shameless in there. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all right. Um, I am seeing a lot of people hype it up, and I don't know if it's worthy of that much hype at the moment, but I'll see. I'm going to stick with it anyway. I'm going to give it definitely a few more episodes. Yeah. Um, and then I've started a couple new anime. So I started Dodo Hedoro, which is one that I think you would really like, Sam. It's like a dark, um, like a grungy sort of like neo future dark fantasy type thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's basically two worlds are connected, and there's like evil sorcerers going between them to like test stuff out on like the lower world type thing yeah and there's a big giant lizard man trying to figure out why he's a lizard man but it's just really gritty and gnarly and i think you'll really dig it it gives me like dirty blade runner meets um altered carbon with magic 
Okay, cool. Um, and then one that I, I wanted to talk about quickly was that side today was y- um, Yasuki, I think is the way you pronounce it. Okay. Um, which the reason I want to talk about it is because we were meant to be getting a live action version uh, based on the same character with Chadwick Boseman in it. But sadly, he's passed away, so production has fully shut down. They don't seem to be moving ahead with that mm-hmm. thing at all. Um, and this is a story that I kind of knew bits of. It's about um, uh, a black African swordsman in um, feudal Japan who became like the Black Samurai. And his story has been adapted like a few times in different ways. This has like twisted it to give it a like a sort of like fantasy edge. So we're still in feudal Japan, but there's also mecha robots and magic, which I was not expecting. I thought this was just going to be feudal Japan. Um, so I'm gutted that we're not going to see the Chadwick Boseman version, but this has got uh, Lake Lith Stanfeld voicing him. So mm-hmm. it seems pretty damn cool at the moment. Cool. And uh, I think that's everything that I've got around to watching this week. I tried to watch um, Judas and the Black Messiah, only I can't seem to find it anywhere in the UK to watch at the moment. Oh, okay. Tried to watch that today. You may have um, to resort to uh, other means. Yeah, Nomadlands comes out tomorrow as of recording this so i'm definitely watching that over the weekend yeah cool awesome right uh i've watched a couple of things i've been watching Mm. uh the uk's most popular action drama police drama line of duty that's been uh, pretty good i've been getting back into it so basically it's like on season five or something crazy now but i've been trying to get up to speed on it and i remember starting it ages ago um, but I obviously don't really know what's going on now. So I'm finishing season one um, and I'm like working my way back through because it is like one of the best things that BBC has probably put out in a for real long time. Um, yeah, everyone talks about that Peaky Blinders and the, and the Bodyguard as like the three things that you need to check from the BBC lately. And I'm, yeah, I've only checked out Peaky Blinders. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely some of the best things that they've ever put out. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's a good time. Uh, I watched Promising Young Woman. We've already talked about that. Uh, I feel like there was something else. I can't remember what, though. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was pretty much it. I don't think I've watched... Oh, I finished Invincible. I finished it. So Okay. I, I believe I finished it, unless there's one more episode to come out. I can't remember. I haven't finished it yet. I know uh, I've got at least one more episode to watch. To be fair, I think there might be one more episode to come because... right. Um, it kind of left on a little bit of a, a little bit of yeah, a cliffhanger. I think, I think when we watched it, it was episode five, and there was eight episodes in total. So if it's been like two weeks for us, then it was probably episode seven that you watched. Uh, I watched the episode which is called "We Need to Talk," which is where it ends with saying that. And I think there's one more episode to go, so I've not finished it. I'm just up to date with it. That has, interestingly enough, been renewed for seasons two and three now as well, which I totally understand yeah, because I it's pretty think- good. I think before it actually went live, it got the second season, but maybe now seeing the numbers, they greenlit season three. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much, uh, pretty much it, I think. Um, yeah, that's it. So shall we talk about a little bit of news? Because we watched quite a lot this week, to be honest. I'm with you, with you, haven't we? <laughs> So we need to uh, we need to get this. It makes a change. Yeah, it, make, it does make a change. Uh, so I'm going to fire through some news stories that we've got, just some bits to mention. Uh, first little thing on my list is um, Marvel heads are amazed. There's still good things coming from the Eternals camp for Marvel. Uh, there's just constant Chloe praise. Chloe Zhao won an Oscar. Um, Spoilers. Yeah, there's just good. <laughs> 
good stuff come in. Um, practical effects. They Marvel Head was amazed by practical effects in the Eternals demo reel. Um, good. But yeah, it's good. Can't wait. Let's get the Eternals on our screens. Show us a teaser. I know we've got a tri- we've got a teaser for Shang Chi, but we need the teaser for Eternals. We I'm really excited to see it. I'm really yeah. excited. I think out of all the upcoming Marvel movies in like the next year, Eternals like the one that I'm most excited for because I haven't seen anything. You know what I mean? So it's got that just anticipation of, ooh, what's yeah. it gonna fucking be? And the thing is, is like Marvel cosmic stuff could literally go in any which way right mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah get excited because it's probably going to be really good um falcon and winter soldier showrunner um is up for directing said captain america 4 movie that we're hearing reports about um so there's two stories there one there is a reports of a captain america 4 movie happening off the back of falcon winter soldier and the showrunner is uh is downplaying it a little bit but i think he'd also be up for uh directing it yeah, I think I think we mentioned it quickly when we reviewed it last week that they had announced they're doing a Captain America four. But yeah, it's since then the showrunner has come out and said, "Yeah, I want to do it." Yeah, type thing. But but like you said, he's playing it down. He's like, "I want to do it." He hasn't said that he is doing it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I, I wouldn't mind doing it." Does carry on not... the narrative that I've been telling. Yeah, it's not on the slate of things for Marvel to be releasing anytime soon. I mean, geez. I think if they also put that on the slate before the season came out then it would have been spoilers for the end of the season yeah literally and also i think that we've got you know you've got black widow that's technically chris it's two to three months away it's not a long time now to wait for it. it's not it's um, not i mean it's over a year late it but... is over a year late and then we've got shang chi and then we've got eternals so really i reckon after we've watched black widow we may get some uh teasers for eternals Mm-hmm. So, uh, other news: uh, we've got uh, Netflix Shuffle feature is now available everywhere. So I don't know whether you've heard about this feature, Chris, but a lot of people I on have. Netflix, when they're perusing, they don't know what they want to be watching. So Netflix has kind of put a fix out for that, and I've created a shuffle button which basically just shuffles stuff for you, mate, so that you can try new things or let Netflix choose what you want to watch. Yeah, I, I, a while ago. Um... I think it was it was a few months ago, just before Christmas, that I think I first saw it, or was it just after Christmas? I can't remember. Um, it was when Fly a Firefly Lane came out, mm-hmm. and I gave the missus the remote, and she was just going through Netflix for fucking ages, and she was like, I don't know what to watch. I was like, right, there's a play something thing there, and it just gives you a random show. Just click that. Yeah. So we did, and it put Firefly Lane on, and that's why oh. we ended up watching that. A very so, quick, it is good. Yeah, a very <laughs> quick caveat for before uh, I remembered what I have watched. I also watched Love and Monsters. Oh, how was that? Uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to mention one thing. I don't know why it got nominated for uh, Best Visual Effects, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I just think they were pants. I didn't think that the monsters were that great. They They were cool designs, but... In terms of like them looking good. Anyway, we'll talk about it later, but I watched that. Film was fine. Film was fine. It wasn't a massive year for visual effects, though, I don't think, because we didn't have any massive blockbusters come out. Yeah, but it was fine. Anyway, that's my that's my review of it. Not like it's going up versus Godzilla versus Kong oh, and no, Marvel I've... movies next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Um, but yeah, Netflix shuffle feature. I reckon a lot of places will follow suit if they haven't got it already. Seems like a good idea. Yeah. It it's much needed for these streaming services now because there's too much on there. 
Especially with Netflix putting at least one new property out, well, one film out a week, and then they're putting series out and stuff like that. You need it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it is it is uh, based off recommendations, based off your viewing history as well. So it's not just going to put, like, if I'm watching it, it's not going to put, like, a random, like... I don't I mean, know, drama you, or you something. You watch a, like, a big, diverse... I do, I do. But we yeah. also have different accounts. So, like, Chip if it's something Charlotte's more into, to... it's normally on Charlotte's, yeah, whereas my stuff is normally more fantasy-based. Yeah, cool. Uh, right, okay. And then my last little tidbit of news. I don't know whether you saw the photos, but we got uh, photos of the... Uh, what would you call it? The script reading? The What do you call those things? Table read. Table read of the House of Dragon, which is the Game of Thrones. We got more than that. Series. Yeah, we got casting as well, right? Uh, we got more than that. We've got on-set photos. <laughs> they started production this week, and straight away, did I not send you this? No. I literally got it up on my phone. This was like the one bit of news that I had ready. Yeah. Uh, so we've got Matt Smith and Emma Darcy on set, uh, dressed in their full Targaryen gear. Let me send oh, you this. Oh, you have on a beach near Nuki. Yeah, okay, you've got it. Yeah, yeah. it was in the UK in Nuki that the film it. Um, he looks very much like Jon Snow's dad. Is that uh, Valerian? Not Valerian. It's not Viserion. That's the dragon. You're thinking? Um, of, are you thinking of Mad King? The Mad King dude, uh, Targaryen. The. Uh, no, it wasn't him. Uh, it was his son, wasn't it? You mean? Does he look um, like the Targaryen, or does he look like... Um... Yeah, he looks like the Targaryen. He looks like the oldest Targaryen kid. Not uh, not the older... Well, he kind of looks like the older brother that got the golden crown, but yeah. the one older than him. Ah. Uh, Daenerys' eldest brother, who's Jon Snow's dad. Spoiler alert. Ah, uh, uh, okay. He, uh, he looks very much like him. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how far forward this is. Maybe this is the one that three hundred years invaded. before the events of Game of Thrones. So this might be the one that marries his three sisters, uh, the sister wives, and they all have different dragons. That might yeah. be what this one is. Maybe Matt Smith's playing a massive incestual. Maybe, guy. but you've got um, you've got quite a good little cast really for this. It's quite yeah. exciting. I mean. You, you need it following Game of Thrones, don't you? Yeah. And it, it kind of left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, so you need good actors that you can rely on. Yeah, you think... Like, you that... can't go from having Sean Bean to having a nobody. Yeah, exactly. And I think it'll... Um, you know, it, it it's gone through the motions with that final season. They know where they've yeah. gone wrong. And I always say, I hope that they learn from mistakes... I might be wrong, but we'll find out, eh? Um, yeah. Well, it's not Benioff and Weiss producing it. Uh, uh, sorry, writing it now, is it? No, I don't think no, they'll. So. I don't think they'll probably touch Game of Thrones again after the final season. They're probably still producers or something, but they're not writing it at least. No. Who knows what they're doing these days, eh? I thought they were doing Star uh, Wars. Definitely but... not Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> they got Star Wars and Marvel taken off them after that final season, and apparently they rushed the final season. To get onto the Star Wars project. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, don't rush a project that you've been doing for nearly 10 years, you know what I mean? Yeah, even if there's a better project, like, don't rush it. Just don't rush no. it. George R.R. R. Martin won't be happy. 
Well, George R. R. Martin ain't rushing nothing. Everyone's still waiting for that last book. <laughs> That's authors for you, though, bro. Authors don't need yeah. to rush anything when it sells. They're just like, yeah, you just keep, you know, you keep doing. What you do. <laughs> You'll get it when you get it. <laughs> you just keep doing what you're doing. We're we're happy with that as long as it's good and as long as it sells well. That's fine. Uh, look, have you got any other news? Or are you happy for me to move straight uh, on to trailers? I, I've got. Two super quick bits, because one's really interesting. I shared this out on the Twitter. So, for the longest time, Citizen Kane was the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Sitting at 100% rating and the glowingest glowing reviews. But somebody has found an old review for Citizen Kane from when the fir- uh, film first came out 80 years ago. And, um, yeah, that's been updated and put onto Rotten Tomatoes now, bringing its score down. So now Paddington is the highest rated... Sorry, Paddington 2 is now the highest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And this is causing all sorts of controversy. Have you seen Paddington 2? Uh, I've not. I've not. I've not. It is phenomenal, but I never expected it to be at 100%, but the internet fucking loves this movie. Every critic was like, best kids film ever made. Oh, oh my lamp just went out. Oh. <laughs> I thought the power... We're going to be right back. <laughs> so, uh, disaster averted. The uh, power came back on, whatever happened to it. But the po- podcast stopped. So, let's go again. But it would have <laughs> seemed like two seconds for you. But in fact, we were actually stopped recording for like 12 weeks. And now everything we're going to talk about is out of date. Yeah, well, I'm we're just at joking. Oscars 2022. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, um, what, was your, what was your last story? Um... We just talked about Paddington, didn't we? Yeah, it's great. Uh, Demon Slayer, the movie, opened in America. It's doing absolutely gangbusters. It's the highest grossing opening week for a foreign language film in America. Yeah. It's the second highest grossing for an anime behind Pokemon, the first movie. So it opened in 1,600 cinemas. um, And it's done $21.1 million dollars. Whereas Mortal Kombat is the number one at the US box office, and that's only done 23.3. Mm. And that opened in 116,000 screens, I think. So yeah. 100 times as many screens, and it's only earned an extra 2 million. So every screening of Demon Slayer is absolutely sold out. Um, this has got to be surely nominated for some sort of. Uh, animated feature next year at the Oscars. Yeah, nominated um, at least, right? Yeah, I don't think it's going to win, um, especially not with films like Luca and stuff coming out. Like Pixar seems to just have a monopoly whenever they put out a film. Um, it's probably not going to be as good as Luca, but for an anime film, it's going to be sensational. And surely they've got to recognize something like that at the Oscars, doing mm-hmm. absolute gangbusters like this. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Insane. Insane. Shall we move on to some trailers then? We shall. Cool. Right. Quick fire through the trailers. Yeah, we'll quick fire through because we've got the whole entire Oscars to talk about. So we had a couple of trailers this week. Uh, We had the Spielberg adaptation of West Side Story, a classic. Yeah. Have you seen this trailer? I watched bits of it because we don't really need to tell people what it's about because it's West Side Story. it's, It's just a teaser and I felt like it literally didn't show anything the first one minute of the one minute and a half teaser just like cuts away just before anything actually happens in the scene, and mm-hmm. it didn't really show you any of the music or musical numbers. No, nope. um, it showed you like one iconic shot where I think it's the sharks. Is it the sharks or the jets? 
it's one or the other. They're all like pinning themselves up against like a a wire fence. That was like the only thing that we saw. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's Spielberg, so it's not going to be a bad film. Um, no. Is it going to be better than the sixties version of this? Who who knows at the moment? Who knows? Uh, we got a trailer for the Tomorrow War featuring uh, Chris Pratt, Yvonne Sh- Sh- Strahovski, <laughs> who you'll you'll recognise as uh, a animated a cartoon character from Mass Effect, <laughs> and you'll also okay. recognise from Chuck and Dexter and Handmaid's Tale. Um, she plays Miranda in uh, Mass Effect. Oh, cool! Yeah, in case you didn't know um, that, that's yeah, an that's... interesting fact. That's like a future sci-fi war type movie with Chris Pratt and coming to Amazon Prime on I Saved the Date, uh, July 2nd. Yeah, it's weird. It, it gave me um, the, end, is it End of Tomorrow? Uh, the Live, Die, tomorrow. Repeat. Yeah, it gave me that kind of kind of vibe at the very beginning of it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, you know what? It looks fun. It looks like an action film, doesn't it? It started Bloody... to give me sort of Skyline vibes at one point. I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh, no we all know Skyline was a bad film. Oh, that was bad. It almost looks like um, a quiet place, but the monsters, you don't have with to guns. be quiet around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quiet place with guns. Get that on the poster. And following the Tomorrow War, we also got a trailer for Sweet Tooth, which is the debut production for Robert Downey Jr. and Susan Downey. Um, yeah, looks really good. I quite like the look of this. It's about um, uh, a fantasy drama based on a comic book of the same name where there's like hybrids that are people combined with animals and there's a kid with antlers. Yeah, it very much, if you've seen, is it Sugar We're Coming Down? A uh, music video from Fallout Boy with a kid with the antlers trying to fall in love with a girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. He even wears, like, the same, like, checkered shirt and stuff. And I don't know if that's where the comic book creator got the inspiration from, because I think this came out after that. Um, I had a flick through it. It's by Vertigo. Um, good imprint um, by DC Comics. Yeah, basically, the, the world is fractured because... Um, People started being born with animal bits, and then people who don't like these new breed of humanity are trying to trying to kill them and Racists. be like, no more animals. Basically, yeah, yeah, it's all just an allegory for racism, isn't it? But can this go. sweet kid who's part deer save the world? Uh, I noticed that when I was watching this trailer, I was like, I recognised the narrator's voice almost straight away, and I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. It sounds like Thanos. And then I realised, oh, it's James Brolin. He's the narrator. <laughs> I was like, he's the father of Josh Brolin. It makes lots of sense. Yeah. Um, the number yeah. one top comment on this Netflix trailer is by Mr. Sunday Movies. No. Yeah, it's the number one, the number one comment on it. Lord Incredible. Himself. Our Lord and Saviour, Mr. Sunday. Um, he said, Incredible comic. If you haven't read it, you should go. Uh, you can have my copy. <laughs> Don't want it, but I want it back. Excellent. Was this on? Oh yeah, but I want yeah, it back. It's right there. <laughs> Look at everyone. Incredible here. comic. Read <laughs> it if you haven't. You can have my copy, but I want it back. So one reply to him saying, "Shouldn't you be posting? <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't you be putting big red arrows and circling stuff in your thumbnails? Stop commenting and wasting your time, Mister Sunday Movies." <laughs> Goodness gracious. Anyway, um, we got a little final Tid trailer, like a tiny trailer uh, for the next season of Dexter. It's coming back for a ninth season. 
Uh, it's a shot of him in the forest, and then it reflects and shows his face, <laughs> and that's it. So uh, he looks villainous. Uh, Sweet Tooth comes out June 4th. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sweet Tooth comes out June 4th. Dexter Season 9 comes out Is it bad? Uh, whenever. Fall. Well, that it, it comes out this fall, it says, but yeah. we don't know when. Is it bad that I've never once had a single bit of interest in Dexter, and I just really can't be arsed watching it? <sighs> It's a good, uh, it's a good series. I'd say it's just a shame yeah, that the, I just, the end didn't let it down. I just kind of don't have any interest in watching it. <laughs> it ended in two thousand and thirteen. Wow, wow, it's that old. I'll tell you what, Michael C. Hall looks uh, pretty good for considering the last. Doesn't thing look you... a day over twenty thirteen. Doesn't look a day over twenty thirteen. Oh my god, that's eight years. That's eight years ago. That's insane. He doesn't look a day over however old he was eight years ago. He doesn't look a day over season eight. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about any more trailers, Chris. You know why? Because we need to talk I just about... took a big mouthful of water and I nearly spat it all over my laptop. We nearly had another power oh, failure. <laughs> right, we're not talking about any more trailers, Chris, because we're going to talk about the Oscars. I've made a definitive, an executive yep. decision. There wasn't any other trailers. No, I, I don't care, about Chris. I don't care. We're not talking about it. <laughs> I don't care that there's nothing left. Move on. I don't care. We're not talking about these trailers you don't want to talk about. So we're going to carry. <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk about this thing that you weren't going to do. Don't fucking do it. All right. right this, <laughs> I wasn't planning gonna, on it. We're going to do Oscar spoilers. Oh no, wait. We can't do Oscar spoilers because that's the whole point of talking about the Oscars. We're not going to talk about spoilers for the films that we we've watched from the Oscars, but you will have who got the Oscars spoiled for you. So. If you don't want to know that, shall then we, go, go watch the Oscars. Shall we talk about the fiasco that was the Oscars as a whole or first, or shall we talk about who won first and then talk about the fiasco? Uh, before we talk about that, Chris, people should go follow us and check us out on socials at Get Real Pod across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter because, um, you know, we don't want people to, to leave before mm. we tell mm. them what our socials are. Also, maybe check out our other podcast, Get Real Gaming, if you're really into gaming. They're talking about uh, Magic the Gathering lately. Only if you want it, though, you know. Only if you want it, Obviously, it's not as good as ours. (laughs) Obviously. I mean, who's into games? God. (laughs) Gamers. Gamers. Wow. Gamer. Okay, gamer. Go check that out, then. Okay. (laughs) Gamer. Damn nerds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> goddamn nerds wasting your life sat inside in a dark room playing a game you could be sat inside in a dark room watching films <laughs> yeah exactly anyway let's uh let's move on and talk about the fiasco that was the oscars so just to, <laughs> just to um like elaborate the oscars happened and we, we said this at the beginning but it happened fairly normally which was weird to watch like everyone kind of sat in a room not much social distancing, but everyone did have like COVID tests and stuff like that mm-hmm. before they, um, before they went into it, right? So everyone was all tested and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, it, there yeah. was obviously changes from the normal years, like different environment, the way they, um, like hosted it. Well, there wasn't a host, like the way they formatted it was different and stuff like that. To try and better fit in with COVID guidelines and obviously not everybody wanting or being able to be there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was different, but it was closer to an awards ceremony than a lot of the other stuff that we've been getting recently, um, which was nice. It brought a bit of normality back to um, the world of cinema. Yeah. 
It's fun. Um, but they also tried a few things that didn't work this year. <laughs> okay, do you, want, do you want to talk um, about those things that didn't work? Um, I feel like it's also going to spoil what we're going to talk about later, but they rearranged the order in which they gave out some of the awards as well. So some of the ones that they would normally send save until closer to the end, they put at the beginning, and then it it felt like it was a weird flow. Like they did some of the bigger ones at the beginning, and then like they did the awards that most people kind of don't pay much attention to, like um, short animation or it uh, it um documentary short or stuff like that not to discredit the people that work on them for winning an oscar you've clearly done a fantastic job and some of the documentaries and stuff like that we've all checked out after the fact because they don't normally get popular until after the oscars um you've done amazing work but for the general viewer a lot of people kind of tune in after that so it was a bit of a strange flow anyway and then at the end instead of ending with best picture as you normally would um which is the logical choice because then you can celebrate this film as a whole instead of all the individuals. You can celebrate together at the end and you have a nice big group hug on stage and stuff like that. No, instead they decided to do Best Director, then Best Picture, and then go into Leading Actor and Leading Actress, which I feel like they were leading up for something which we all kind of wanted to see happen and then... The Academy voted differently, and it very much fell very flat at the end. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the the leading theory is that we all thought Chadwick Boseman would win Best Support... Uh, sorry, Best Lead Actor for Ma mm. Rainey's Black Bottom, mm. and that would be how the show would go out with a, a wonderful tribute to him, his wife collecting his Oscar and stuff like that. Um, and... I, I don't think you can entirely blame the people behind the production of it um, because the results, they don't know the results until it happens so that nothing leaks or anything. Um, So they did this thinking that it was a sure thing. Um, Chadwick has been sweeping some of the other award ceremonies and stuff like that. So it was was 50-50, maybe more like 70-30 that Chadwick was going to win. And then sadly he wasn't. He wasn't the winner, unfortunately, and the winner was not there to claim the Oscar, and he wasn't able to film anything for it, so it was just Walking Phoenix was like, and the winner is, and he's not here to claim it, thank you, and good night, and the the show ended very <laughs> abruptly, and kind of all fell flat, and it was, it was painful to watch. It was really... It was really sort of painful to watch. Obviously, we're happy for who has won, and we're not going to take that away from them at all, because apparently it's, like, even though they've had a plentiful career, apparently it's a career-defining performance, which is phenomenal. Mm. Um, I'm trying not to just spoil it straight off the bat so people actually listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But- I mean, I'm assuming maybe people that have listened to the listened to this have maybe seen who's won these absolutely yeah. top awards, you know, because it is all over the place. But Yeah, so let's just talk about it a bit more properly instead of scooting around yeah. the issue. So shall we, uh, shall we start off with Best Actor and Best Actress then? Because I feel like yeah. this is going to like naturally flow into that anyway. So yeah. Best Actor, we had um, nominees were Anthony Hopkins uh, for The Father, Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Gary Oldman, Mank, and Stephen Yeun in Minari. So like you said, 
the the chances like the 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 likelihood of Chadwick Boseman winning this uh, posthumous nomination was very very likely right like yeah he, he won the he won it at the golden globe i believe mm-hmm. if i'm not getting it not getting yeah. it mixed up um but yeah i don't know I, f- I feel like so anthony hopkins took this away um but he has had a plentiful career right but everyone's saying this was possibly the best performance of the year and that's why he's got it they are saying this is maybe his best performance of his career and he's already won oscars so it's it it must be saying something if this might be his best career performance and the kind of theory at the moment is that maybe this film struck closer to home obviously with the pandemic and a lot of the people who have sadly died of the of coronavirus and stuff like that during the pandemic were people in nursing homes, were people who needed looking after on the, uh, at the end of their lives, a lot of people with Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff like that, and that is what this film is tackling. So a lot of people are thinking that this film struck more of a like resonant chord with people, um, mm. and that might be why it just pushed Anthony Hopkins over the line. To be fair, he when we say he's had like a lot of awards, he's had... Um two academy awards four baftas and two emmys so like he's had like that this is his second um is this his second academy award then so when you I think, think it's it his like second that, leading actor mm. i think he might have won supporting actor as well yeah he said yeah um i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure he was also nominated last year for the um for the two popes as well mm. um like we can't understate enough like how fantastic Anthony Hopkins is as an actor, and he absolutely definitely deserves this. I think we wouldn't be questioning it as much if the order of the show happened how it normally happens. So if like we had best actress, best actor, then best picture. If we had had it like that, I don't think anybody would have batted an eyelid at all. Well, well, they might have batted an eyelid because it's still sad to see that Chadwick Boseman didn't get it. But the way they for- reformatted the show oh, to give us this big like crescendo, which didn't happen, mm. I think made it sting more. Yeah. This also had uh, Rufus Sewell, who um, I like from Man in the High Castle as well. Mm-hmm. He played as Yeah, John. and it had Olivia Coleman in as well. Yeah. who's just joined Secret Invasion and stuff like that. She won the Oscar a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, uh, next, yeah, oh. it's it's just so weird, and it feels like nobody's talking about Nomadland anymore. Which Frances McDormand won her third Oscar, third mm. best lead a- actress Oscar, which ties her with um, Meryl Streep, I believe. Um, although Meryl Streep, one of hers is for best supporting actress. Um, yeah, it kind of undershadows Frances McDormand and also Chloe Zhao being like the first woman of colour director. It feels like everyone's just talking about how the show ended. Yeah, that's it. Because it, like normally it would end with like your top ones. So like what? It would end with best picture. Best right? picture. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Because best pictures when you get like literally everyone who's there that worked on the film gets up on stage, yeah. and it's normally like a big celebration of look what people can do when they come together. They make this fantastic film. Yeah. Um. But instead, we had that, and then Francis McDormand had to get up by herself afterwards, and like that, like must hurt. Like for her having to leave the rest of her squad behind again to be like, oh yeah, it feels like they're making it about like an individual again. Mm. Um, um, and also just worth yeah. mentioning the other nominees so we had Viola Davis uh, Ma Rainey, Andrew Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman and Kerry Mulligan, Promising Young Woman Kerry yeah. Mulligan was really good in that film and I know she no was. Madland's getting a lot of uh, like a lot of praise um, but you know it would have would have been nice to I don't know, I think I like the idea that maybe the obvious winners don't win, you know what I mean well, that's yeah. probably my preference. So, I mean, I think Viola Davis's performance was probably more um, award-worthy than Carrie Mulligan's. I think yeah. she was phenomenal in that film. I think it is a great film. I don't know if it's necessarily as good as a Nomadland, um, a Ma Rainey, or something like that. Mm. Um, shall we move on to the Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress then? Before we move on? Yes. Okay, so Best Supporting Actor. Um, we had Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. We had Sasha Baron Cohen, Trial of Chicago 7. Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. Paul Racy, Sound of Metal. And Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. So actually, this is crazy because you had two supporting actors for the same movie or for the same award. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like both of these char- like both of these guys, were they both supporting actors then, I guess, because that's what I was thinking. Cause it very much seems like Daniel Kalula was the lead actor, but have I you think... watched this. You've watched this. Have you? No, I, I, I haven't. This is one that I mentioned earlier. Um, it's hard to watch in the UK without paying 20 quid to see it. Yeah, so um, the way the starring is, is like Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are both like top billing for this. Um, leads. Yeah, and it Lakeith Stanfield, it is kind of like his movie. Like it does follow his arc from like the beginning mm. to the end. Um, but so would you say one. Daniel Kaluuya is still a supporting actor, whereas um, I probably Lakeith would've... Stanfield should have been nominated for Best Actor? It's hard because Judas and the Black Messiah is about Fred Hampton, right? It's about it, it does focus on Fred Hampton, but it it is about also William O'Neill, who was the informant at the time. So was that Jesse Plemons' character? Uh, no, that was um, Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield, yeah. Okay. Jesse Plemons just played the uh, the dodgy FBI agent. He played okay. Jesse Plemons' character basically. Um, so yeah, it's um yeah, it's it's a weird interesting choice because I guess when you look at this they pro- probably both get equal amounts of screen time. Um, right. But so yeah. what they've done is when they've pushed for the Oscar um like what, what is it that they call it? You make you basically put out a drive and like you you pay loads of promotion and stuff like that to put people in for certain awards and stuff like that. So they probably put them both in supporting actor because they reckon they had a better chance of winning a supporting actor rather than a lead actor. Yeah. And they were probably also like, if they get equal amounts of screen time, we don't want to put one forward over the other type thing into yeah. a stacks category and maybe one of them gets supporting actor instead. It feels kind of like how 
Christian Bale won Best Supporting Actor for The Fighter, even though he was definitely the lead actor in it. Mm. Um, Because he wasn't the title character, which arguably he was because he was fighting against his own past and all that sort of stuff and drugs and uh, like rehabilitation and everything. Yeah, did you um, watch uh, Daniel Kaluuya's acceptance speech where he made the, uh, the awkward sex joke? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious until you see his mum's reaction and she's like, the fuck did my son just say about me yeah. on national television? <laughs> international television? Yeah. Like, everybody else found that hilarious except for his mum and that's why it's so cringy. <laughs> well, hearing Daniel Kaluuya speak in like his natural voice and tone is so strange when you've seen him in like <laughs> Black Panther and Judas and the Black Messiah like he's even so like different. get out is like like his career defining role up to until this point like he did an american accent in as well yeah but he's he's just so different man like he's so different on it like when you've watched Judas and the Black Messiah it's like even more different like yeah he's like just I don't know he, he was like full of confidence in all the roles he plays and then he almost seems like a little bit reserved like in a weird way, yeah. He's he's kind of like a bit of like a dorky comedian almost when you see him talking normally. Um, yeah. He did a great opening monologue for um, SNL the other month as well. Mm. Like he is so dry and British, like it's so funny. Yeah. And Americans don't know how to take him a lot of the time, and I think that's why that joke didn't land like a hundred percent in the US. Whereas like us British folk, like. I, I don't know a single Brit that didn't find it utterly hilarious. Yeah. Did you think um, maybe Sasha Baron Cohen had a bit of a, a chance at this as well? I thought he did have a chance because I rewatched um a lot of Trial of Chicago 7 a couple of weeks ago um, when I was around at somebody else's house. They had it on um in in the conservatoire when we were sat outside. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a fucking good film, this, you know. Mm. <laughs> I sat there watching it. I was like, Sasha Baron Cohen does definitely have a chance. Um, yeah. Obviously not seeing Judas and the Black Messiah at that point. Uh, I wasn't 100%, but he is phenomenal with every sort of dramatic role he ever gets put in. Yeah. And that role almost felt like it was made for him, even though it's a real person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, Which is strange. Then we also had Best Supporting Actress. Uh, we had Maria Bakalova for Borat. A subsequent movie film. Uh, we had Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy. I can't believe Hillbilly Elegy got got nominated for anything, but that's just me. A lot of people are saying that. A lot of people are saying that Glenn Close was better than that movie, and a lot of people don't like that movie and kind of like dismiss Glenn Close straight away, even though apparently yeah. her performance is pretty great in it, but the rest um, of the movie is. Yeah, we had Olivia Coleman in The Father, Amanda Seyfried as uh, in Mank, and we had Yoon Yu Jung in Minari, who took away the award. Uh, I've still not seen Minari yet, but it's definitely on the list. Definitely. it's. I think it's coming to Amazon Prime in the UK soon. Mm. Um, I don't think we can even pay to view it on Amazon Prime in the UK at the moment. No. I think that's only in America. So mm-hmm. if you've got a VPN, maybe, and you want to pay for it. Maybe. Um, She's the first Korean actor or actress to ever win an Oscar, which is amazing. I think she's also the oldest Best Supporting Actress, is she? No? 
Maybe. I'm not too sure. Um, I think that's what somebody was saying as well. Fantastic for her. Um, oh, yeah, she's 73. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, she plays the grandma in the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I know. I, yeah, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, fantastic. I, we haven't seen it yet, so we can't really comment too much. She mm-hmm. seems great in it. It she seems very much like the sort of emotional heart of the film. Yeah. Um What's so, interesting yeah. is that she actually does way or did, sorry, way more T V than what she did movies when you look at yeah. her um her list. So the fact that she's done Minari and, you know, won an uh, Academy Award for it is amazing. So Yeah. And it it was nice to see that um I don't know if they well, no, they didn't plan because they don't know who's going to win, but whether they had a tip of sort of who was leading the race, maybe. Um, Bong Joon-ho was the one that presented at that award as well. Felt nice. Um, oh, yeah, because they were He's also Korean, and he, yeah. he won the Best Director last year. Yeah. Um, so that felt like a nice sort of like handoff for the Asian community. Yeah, that felt nice. Cool. Um, um, I want to just jump straight into it, Chris, because we you know we don't want to wait till the end just, to talk about. Just the jump straight into it. Why don't we talk about best picture and best director right now? Because the okay. same person won both. Well, the same picture won both of these, but um, the director obviously won for Nomadland, and best picture won for Nomadland. Uh, but let's quickly mm-hmm. just talk about what went up. So, best picture: uh, Nomadland, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial Trial of Chicago Seven. Uh, best director was Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, which was an interesting move. Uh, David mm-hmm. Fincher for Mank. Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, again another interesting move. And Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. Um, so there's a lot to kind of digest here, but let's uh, start with best picture. So obviously we've not seen Nomadland yet. Um, I will I... be watching it tomorrow. Ooh, very good. <laughs> yes. I will have watched this by the time the podcast comes out, but unfortunately the uh, timing of things. I was in the glad UK is Sound weird. of Metal got a nomination because it is a it is an incredible film. Um, mm-hmm. I think there were some solid nominations for best picture here. A lot of people are questioning why Mank is on there because absolutely nobody saw that film. Um, It feels like it's just Netflix shoved a load of money behind David Fincher getting a nomination. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I heard somebody saying that, like, maybe there's something inside of uh, Netflix. Like, they get these big big directors and stuff like that and they get these big films and they kind of been like, okay, David Fincher, he's like always up for an Oscar type thing and Aaron Sorkin like his screenplays are always nominated so let's push these two films and mm. um, not realizing what some of their bigger movies are like they seem to make this decision so early and like okay these big names okay let's push these out and stuff like that um, and not really notice like what they've got in the back pockets with other properties and stuff like that so yeah yeah it's questionable but it was a massive night for Netflix overall because they had all like the best um documentaries best shorts and all that sort of stuff so netflix have still walked away with a lot um but mank maybe wasn't the best thing to push up there um but it was clearly good enough to get a nominee um we both love sound of metal but i kind of felt that it wasn't going to win much other than technical awards yeah um just because there wasn't as much buzz as the father nomadland and maybe like Minari or something. Mm-hmm. 
those those are definitely the three that will lead in everybody else's conversations. Yeah, and best director Chloe Zhao took that away again for Nomadland. Uh, first um, best director award of color is that right? Uh, first female. Well, she's only the second female ever to win it, and she's the first female of color to win it. That's amazing. Yeah, um, I can't remember if um, the director of Get Out won that year. Uh, okay, yeah. So, sorry, Chloe Zhao, who is Chinese, became the first woman of color to be awarded Best Director, and only the second woman after Catherine Bigelow, who won it for 2010's Hurt Locker. Um, interesting Fantastic film. According to Wikipedia, uh, Zhao's Oscar win was censored in China and blocked on Chinese social media platforms. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I haven't seen everyone's acceptance speeches yet. So I don't know if she's mentioned something because I know China are very iffy about what is said about the country and stuff like that and different things and what makes it in and out of their country's news cycle and stuff. Yeah. Um, we've uh, seen it with everything going on with like Hong Kong and stuff like that at the moment. Yeah, we? Um, the Chinese government censored mentions of uh, Nomadland online as well. Um, so I don't think she had... a. Uh... A fantastic relationship with China, but anyway, no. But uh, it might also be because it is like a, the story is quintessentially American as well. So I don't know if they would necessarily be like we want our first Chinese person to be doing something so American the, type thing. The craziest like, thing about this award, right, is that Chloe Zhao has only directed four movies across her career. Hmm. She did one in 2015 called Songs My Brothers Taught Me. She did mm-hmm. one in 2017 called The Rider. Yeah. Uh, then she did Nomadland. And then she's doing The Eternals. <laughs> yeah. Mate, like, if I that's could a just, career if I, trajectory, yeah, isn't if it? my fourth film could be a Marvel film, right, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. If your third film could win Best Picture Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it just goes to speak to it. I think... I think this film was just like a perfect like antithesis of like what she wants to create type thing like she was able to just work within the constraints of the like the film that she was making and just make it work so well by the sounds of it like Frances McDormand I think is the only actress in this everybody else is just actual nomads that they met while they were shooting this film and they're just playing themselves so it's like Francis McDormand, who is also executive producer on this, um, and Chloe Zhao travelled around the country in that van that uh, the, the character lives in um, and basically just met all these different nomads around the country and created a film with these real people in it. So being able to pull all those strings together to make such a fantastic film, mm. I mean, how could you not praise that director? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because when you look at the... Um... When you look at the cast, like there's a lot of people that are casters themselves. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I didn't realize that was the thing of Nomadland, so I'm uh, quite excited to watch it. To be fair, yeah, it it's just fascinating how it's like they're basically making a documentary, but the lead character is fictional. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and and make this story about finding yourself and finding your place in the world type thing. Yeah. Um, in amongst all the like, it was just all completely, pretty much unscripted type thing. Like, 
is mind blowing. Mm, very much so. Well, I think it's all very well deserved. Um, yeah, you I can't th- argue when you start to like piece more pieces of it together. You like, yeah, clearly. When you think about the the premise of the movie and stuff, and how what that takes from a director to put that together, then it's yeah. a lot of work, you know, and well played. And obviously, you know, people must really enjoy it critically for her to now be heading the Eternals. So incredible. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's move on. So we're gonna do best original screenplay next, which uh, was Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, it was Minari, That's... Sound of Metal. Okay. Trial of Chicago 7 and Promising Young Woman that took it away. Yeah, the way you worded that then, I thought you were saying that Judas won for a second. I was like, ah! Uh, <clears throat> let her realise what you were doing. Yeah, Promising Young Woman, like we said, probably the script was like the best thing about it and carried that film. Mm-hmm. For me, honestly, like, and it is an original screenplay by Emerald Fennell. Yeah. Um, can't complain about that, like, I loved the screenplay for Chicago 7. I thought it was sharp and witty, as everything Aaron Sorkins does is. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I haven't seen all these other films yet. Sound of Metal was fantastic, but I think that was the more the direction and the acting that carried that more than necessarily the screenplay. Yeah. Um, I think the... Uh, not the editing, but like the sort of like back-end creative stuff mm-hmm. carried Sound of Metal. Um, Minari seems like that would have been up there. Maybe that took second place if you count all the ballots and stuff like that. Yeah, I can't really argue with Promising Young Woman winning it. To be fair, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, the way they took common phrases and everything like that, which are often thrown at like women in these cases, and just you just twist them and just bust people's balls with the same lines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, was just phenomenal. Uh, and then we had a best adapted screenplay that was The Father, um, Borat's subsequent movie film, which is an interesting uh, screenplay adaptation theory, uh, to be honest. Um, Nomadland, uh, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Um, I was actually quite surprised that Nomadland probably didn't win. Well, it didn't win this one as well. Because when you think about adapting the book and adapting the screenplay, what it's based on, like to actually go out and meet the people and adapt that into the screenplay, like that's a that's a good adaptation, you know. Yeah. But um, I probably understand why the father won it because the father's based on a play. Um, but yeah, I don't really know whether or not that Borat is based Borat movie film. Well, really... it's weird how they like decipher like because it's based on the did screenplays and stuff. Yeah, based... it's based off the character. and It's based off like the it's a sequel, so it's based off the original film as well. Yeah. So the original would have won best original screenplay, then this would have won best adapted. Yeah. Um, which is it? It's just sort of strange at that point. It's like when you see um, things winning best adapted screenplay. I can't remember what it was. It was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Something won best adapted screenplay because it was adapted by a fifteen-minute um, short that somebody made to get the film made. So they counted it as an adapted screenplay because it was adapted from the short film, even though that was just basically um, a spec draft to get the film greenlit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's weird how adapted screenplay is technically. It's like how he said Nomadland is like a lot of it was just sort of like 
run and gun shooting on the spot and stuff like that. So it was just adapted from things that they found in the real life and real world stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. So again, that would feel like an original screenplay because it's not a screenplay before or anything like that. It, yeah. It's strange. But uh, yeah, I don't think you can argue with the father winning it. It is a true adaptation of something, isn't it? Because it's based off a um, stage performance. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to best animated picture. Um, so that was uh, Soul, Onward, Over the Moon, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, uh, <laughs> and Wolf Walkers. And Soul took it away. Um, I think this was probably between um, Soul and Onward, to be honest with you, because I haven't really seen anything from Over the Moon uh, or Wolf Walkers, to be honest with you. But Soul. You tell me you've watched Farmageddon. I have not watched Farmageddon, to be honest. No. Um, and if Shaun the Sheep won a, an Academy Award, I would uh, probably be very surprised. It's Shaun the Sheep. It's uh, Shaun the Sheep. But Soul is an amazing movie. Like, I don't, Have you watched it yet? I've not watched any of these oh, animated you films. Some, you, you, know, do I, you know what I would do? I just wouldn't watch Onward, because I thought Onward versus Soul, I watched them really close together, and Soul just obliterates it, mate. It mm-hmm. just it, This was an absolute... Like, this was, like, washed. Like, Soul absolutely sweeps this award. Um, It's amazing. It's, like, peak Disney Pixar. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah. I know I know it's phenomenal, and it, but it's, like, these films, it's, like, this... I haven't watched Inside Out yet, and I haven't watched Coco, because I know they're going to be these amazing, heartwarming films, but they're going to be so sad at the end, and I need to be in a frame a state of mind that I'm like, okay, I'm okay with crying my eyes out tonight. No, Soul, <laughs> Soul you maybe cry your eyes out about halfway through, and then you're okay. Well, that's the thing, but I need to be in a certain state of mind where I'm like, I'm okay with crying today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the world has been a pretty hard place the last year, so, like, finding that part of me that's like, I'm okay having this breakdown tonight. <laughs> yeah. Amazing film, though. So good. Uh, uh, I, definitely, I definitely will get to it. Yeah. Uh, right. Best international. We're not going to go through this. I just want to mention this really quick because um, Another Round took it away, which is a film that we've spoken about before quite a while ago. I think it was called Drunk originally, and then... Oh, um, it's that one. Okay, yeah, okay, I know what it is now. One uh, where he's a teacher and he just sees whether he can still do his job while getting absolutely hammered. mental. Mickelson, yeah, mental. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking mad, that man. He's fucking mad, a drunk lad. <laughs> that Mickelson, um, he is mad, bro. Anyway, it got called another round. Um, it's a Danish film. It was directed by Thomas Witt Vinterberg. It won this. It, this won the award. Um, interestingly enough, this is actually having a English adaptation of it, uh, which is being headed by Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, no, <laughs> Chris has strong feelings about this. Oh, just, just release it. Just release the release the. Denmarkian, what do you call something from Denmark? Danish, you idiot. Danish. I just said it. Danish. <laughs> I had a mime, I had just had a complete mind fuck because my phone started ringing. Denmark. Denmarkian. <laughs> I just couldn't really. think what it was. I was like, I, I couldn't get Dutch out my head and I was like, it's not Dutch. Okay. Danish. <laughs> Danish. Just release the Danish version in cinemas with fucking subtitles. Like, people can read subtitles. Did yeah. nobody learn from Parasite? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, exactly. When, That's- when has example. a Hollywood adaptation ever been better than the original? 
I just yeah. I, I I can't name one. Like old boy, the American one is dog shit comparison. Um, fucking uh, girl with a dragon tattoo, nowhere near as good. Especially like Scandinavian ones, like Scandinavian screenplays. Like they've just got a way of just fucking nailing it. You know what though? I don't you know. know. I mean? Like if you have the right people in place for it, and as long as it's had the blessing of the original director and original screenwriter and all that then if you have leonardo dicaprio at the head of it it's not like you're bringing out the small guns you know what i mean you're you're bringing out one of the most best actors in hollywood like you're bringing someone out who could carry it like like all i can think of is this film is going to be like that bit in wolf of wall street but for like two hours where he's on the, (laughs) uh, the, the, the ludes like (laughs) yeah i'm imagining the bit where they're having the giant party in the office i'm not fucking going anywhere (laughs) (laughs) because even the poster for another round looks like him but it's a bottle instead of a microphone yeah yeah so i don't know like like, i think it may but it's not gonna have martin scorsese directing is it no well we don't know yet we don't know i can tell you i highly doubt it i can tell you who's bloody uh who's behind the production of it it's gonna be uh where am I? Name a Mads Mickelson role where you could see anybody else playing that role. Um. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I just it just doesn't work normally. Like, uh, it's going to be produced by Appian Way Productions and Endeavor Content. Um. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just I just don't think it needs it you know what I mean like it's 2021 people can read subtitles oh it's the same production house that did The Revenant and The Wolf of Wall Street um uh, is is it Leonardo DiCaprio's production company by any chance <laughs> uh and then because i know he does have one because he makes documentaries and stuff yeah i don't know make ready is another thing another company who are doing it so i don't know it could be good could be good it could be i want to watch the original version now that i know which film it is because <laughs> i keep remembering it being called drunk not another round yeah uh, uh, but sorry. didn't you say the um as you call it in denmark it's drunk that's <laughs> <laughs> like me trying to fucking read the one for the riders of justice <laughs> um yeah no wasn't the acceptance speech for this like really yeah. heartfelt it was super sad. Like, basically, uh, oh, he also did. Um, oh, hang on, no, I'm getting confused. I was about to say he did the Hunt, but that's another Mads Mikkelsen film called The Hunt from 2012. <laughs> He's worked with Mads Mikkelsen quite a lot. I mean, if you're doing a film in Denmark, you've got to get the Mads in there. <laughs> you got to get Mad Mad Mads. <laughs> you just got to get mental Mads in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're going on an absolute rager. Anyway, you got to get Mads Mickelson. He's bringing get, all the Heineken in. <laughs> we're getting way too hype over the the uh, the subject that we're about to talk about. Um, yeah, his expe- his acceptance speech for this was so sad. Like. He spoke about how he lost his um, daughter in a car accident, like just as they were filming this or during the production of it. Um, really sad. And he ended up dedicating the film to her. And he was like, 
in some kind of like weird crazy way he was like this this i can see that you've he said i have a feeling that my daughter's had a part in this in some kind of really weird oh. way that skate helped him get the oscar and he like held it up and he was like if you um uh either if you if you hear me this is for you and i was like oh that was so sad he had to like i'll get emotional himself. just you telling me what he said <laughs> yeah he had to compose himself before he started saying it and you you felt it and I like I watched a recap, and even Emily was like, "God, that was heavy." And I was like, "Yeah." And that was just the best international feature film one. I was like, Oof. <laughs> and then we yeah, and, was... and about a film that you haven't even seen yet. Like yeah. if a man's words can do that. The, the craziest thing is it was followed by, and this is where we talk about the order of things was really weird. As I'm pretty certain the next one was best supporting actor, and then you had Daniel Kaluuya make a sex joke, and I was just like, "Jeez." <laughs> <laughs> apples and oranges apples and oranges anyway uh, we're going to move on to some of the technical awards now we're going to skip past best doc feature and best short best films cinematography we've, next? We've not, uh, that's not oh yeah that is an award uh, it yeah, is it is uh, i was going to maybe just give a quick mention to um sound and score maybe or do you want to move straight into cinematography i mean i was just going through the list that i had i would add this and then visual effects and editing and stuff like that okay well take i don't know cinematography then uh it was well the we've Man, got it here judas and the black messiah news of the world nomad land and the trial of chicago 7 uh mank won it i think it's only award win maybe um uh, yep. i mean cinematography wise it is striking uh, to no watch. it also like, won best production design but we were really going to talk about production design yeah so like a lot of people are questioning why this got the best picture push from Netflix rather than something like The Five Bloods, mm-hmm. um, which was also at Netflix. Um, Cinematography-wise, I could definitely see it for this. I think cinematography and some of these other films were equally as good, but this one's definitely more striking um, to do with the cinematography and the editing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all in black and white, like hyper-real-type angles. It almost like... From what I've seen of it, gives me like Sin City esque vibes, mm. um, the way it's been shot. So yeah, fair enough. Um, absolutely fair enough. I don't know if maybe Nomadland maybe should have been closer if they're just sort of run and gun shooting it on a road trip across America. Yeah. That's kind of insane as well. This was um, the only nomination I think News of the World got as well. I think so. It would. Yeah, I think um, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It got was. best. It was nominated for best sound as well. Oh, okay. Yep. And best production design. I thought oh. it was production design or costumes. It was one. Of Isn't the other. it weird how all the same films kind of start to show up in like best production design, best costume design? Yeah, they want to recognize them as good films and stuff that like it's mostly like period pieces and stuff like that and visually. Uh, sorry, like yeah, like visually stunning, like take a lot of craft to make type mm. things like this is where you see your star wars and stuff is in the sound and the visuals and stuff like that where yeah. it clearly takes a hell of a lot of behind the scenes work to get it made but it's yeah. maybe not the best picture so following on from best cinematography we then had best sound uh we had sound of metal uh, we had Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, and Soul, and Sound of Metal took this away, which is absolutely well-deserved. I think we said this when we spoke about it and reviewed it, um, that it mm-hmm. was going to win something for Best Sound Design. We spoke about it on our Sound of Metal episode. Go back and check it out. Um, very, very well-deserved. 
100%. Yeah, it couldn't not win. It was too good. Um, with sound in the name, sound had to be a key factor into making this film, didn't yeah, it? Literally. So, yeah. Um, best film the editing sound then of metal, or was it the sound of metal? Uh, it sounded a lot like metal. Mm. Well, actually, it didn't sound that much like metal. No, it, it sounded didn't. a hell of a lot like not much. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> it did it well. You know, it used yeah. silence and what bits of sound that it did. He did amazingly. Um, I want to kind of bundle these next two together. Um, so best makeup and hairstyling and best costume design. Because um, to me, they kind of go... I know, obviously, to celebrate makeup and hairstylists and costume designers, well, obviously, they get celebrated separately. But in my little mind, Chris, my little uneducated mind, um, I kind of see them both together. And I think that's kind of why the um, Anne Roth and the makeup and hairstyling team took away the awards for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, they were up against the likes of Emma, Mank, Mulan, Pinocchio. Pino- Pinocchio? Yeah, that is Pinocchio. Yeah, Pinocchio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Hillbilly Elegy, um, and they took it away, which I think is pretty well deserved. I mean, you've seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I've not watched it yet. Uh, costumes yeah. and makeup and hairstyling all seems very crazy in this. So. These these always tend to go to the period pieces. You know, stuff that you can't just walk into a shop and get a costume anymore. Like yeah. they take a lot of craft, and a lot of these people like research so many like historical things to make sure that things are period accurate and stuff like that. Um, I did think that Emma had an outside chance, and also Mulan. Like the costume design in Mulan was phenomenal. I know we said when we watched it, like, all the armors were, like, period accurate and stuff like that, and the fighting techniques were accurate and stuff like that. Um, So, uh, Mulan looked stunning. If it was going to win anything, it would be costume design. uh, Sorry, Emma um, is a period piece. They looked fantastic. But Ma Rainey, it was a period piece. It was more modern period. Like, it it was only, like, what, 70 years ago, something like that. I can't quite remember when it was wholly set. Um, but it was phenomenal. Everything felt lived in. Um, it definitely worked, and the way that they brought Ma Rainey to life in that film, especially, it was actually um, set Chris over a hundred years ago. Was it? Was it in the eighteen mm. hundreds? Now, no, mate. You gotta remember, it's twenty twenty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineteen twenty yeah. Chicago. So yeah, roughly about a hundred years ago. Then. Yeah. That feels Yeesh. that that. That puts you into perspective. Yeah, it's weird thinking the 90s was 30 years ago now. <laughs> mm. um, uh, we'll be old soon, Sam. <laughs> we already are, mate. Unfortunately, we get <laughs> Yeah, so definitely, definitely well-deserved for those awards. Um, production design going to Mank, because like it takes a lot to make things look like the 1920s and like early Hollywood and stuff like that. It takes a lot. Um, to yeah. make it look like that. And then especially for black and white, like we saw this with um, Division, you need to colour things completely differently when you're putting things into black and white. Like, if you want something to look red, but it's black and white, you need to use a different colour depending on what type of lens you're shooting on, whether yeah. you're shooting on film or digital, what it lights you're using. So, An yeah. interesting uh, little fact about Mank is that the production designer used monochromatic filters on their iPhones to see how things would look in black and white before they actually did it. Uh, because the go. film was shot in black and white and not converted afterwards. Yeah. Mm. There you go. 
So fantastic work yeah. there. Um, um, just quick mention, the other uh, one that you wanted to mention? Design, it was also up against Tenet, which is the first time we're seeing it. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't have seen it in the bloody best sound category, would he? <laughs> oh, no, but... But best visual effects did go to Tenet. Yeah. Which I, I cannot argue with. We didn't get anything else really big blockbuster spectacles i've seen um, all of these apart from the one and only ivan um i've seen mulan i've seen the midnight sky uh, and i've seen love and monsters now although love and monsters was nominated i don't think i had a hope of winning it uh, just because when it went in if you watch it you'll see what i mean uh, midnight sky was a pretty good film um it was pretty fun, like it was different for George Clooney. Um, but again, not much in terms of visual effects. Well, there was a bit of visual effects, but I think Tenet was going to take this one away, no matter what, yeah. the visual effects. It, I mean, we spoke about this in our review, like some of those shots where you've got people running forwards and backwards in the same scene with explosions going on forwards and backwards in the exact same shot. And like... The just the compositing alone and the effects to make shit like that run smoothly, mm. uh, making like car fight sequences in reverse while your characters are moving forward, shit like that is just you can't fault it. That whole spectacle with the plane that was done practically, so that's not a visual effect, but everything around the plane crash was visual effects when you got people moving forward and backwards in time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to play that entire scene in reverse without it looking janky as hell. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's an award ceremony coming up called the Saturn Awards. Um, yeah. And Tenet is nominated heavily in this. So They are the more technical awards, the Saturn Awards. Yeah, so it's Best Actor, Supporting Actor, Editing Music... Um, production design, special visual effects, writing, directing, and science fiction. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. Crazy. Um, is the last one film editing? Is that the last one that we've got to cover? Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, because we weren't going to talk about some of these because we're just not in a position to really comment on them. Uh, yeah, I guess it was um, best film editing. Which went to Sound of Metal, which... I, I yeah uh, yeah agree. I don't. I think Nomadland, although it's nominated, I don't think it's in the editing. I think it's more in the cinematography, the directing, mm-hmm. uh, the acting, and all that sort. Of, like the actual film yeah. itself. I think the technical award for the editing definitely goes to um, Sound of Metal. I don't think even Promising Young Woman and the Trial of Chicago Seven. I don't think had much creative in terms of its editing. No. Uh, what sound of metal just like like shot choices that they decided to use in places um and just how that film kind of flows uh, in terms mm-hmm. of its sound editing to its visual editing is um is really really good so i think yeah i think when you don't have a lot of sound going on and like sound of metal had large periods of the screenplay which were delivered in silence almost if you had bad editing it would draw you out of that film you know what i mean like it relies more on the visual side of the film when you've got stuff like that happening. So yeah, definitely. And I think like we were saying, like you see more films coming up in these later sort of sections, um, the lesser known subjects type thing. 
I think you could tell that the four films that they wanted to give awards to were Sound of Metal, Father, Nomadland, and Ma Rainey. And mm. you see this when you get to these other things. Like It might not be worth Best Picture and Best Acting necessarily compared to these other films, but they want they know it's like the top four films, so they want to find the other places to give it it. So Sound of Metal was the clear winner for like editing and... Um, sound so it gave it them and ma rainey they wanted to show some love to but they couldn't quite fit in so they gave it to the bits where it did excel which made it separate from like your nomad land your father um sound metal which are all set in modern days you can just like the costume designers can go to like a shop and buy a lot of the costumes obviously they they'll improvise them themselves obviously i'm not taking anything away from them um Mm. but to recreate the uh 1920s uh, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and how everything was done back then, th- they couldn't not give it to them and still say that it's one of the best films. It couldn't, it couldn't leave with nothing, and it couldn't leave with the things that it was an obvious winner for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they couldn't just fudge it to be like, oh yeah, the father also had best editing and best production design just because it's the best film type thing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Cool. And that wraps up the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Job done another year, another, another Oscars. Year. Another year, another Oscars. Hopefully, um, I think that's kind of it for this year. I think we're just chatting about the Oscars because we're going to re- review some Oscar-related films, I think, coming up while it's hot topic. Yeah. Uh, we also need to talk about Mortal Kombat um, mm-hmm. and Nobody and a couple of other films that have come out actually recently, which will be good. Yeah. Was there but, anything that you wish you could have seen more of appearing at the awards this year? Like any films that you felt didn't get enough love no not really i think i was kind of expecting minari sound of metal and nomadland to kind of sweep a lot of the nominations so like i said we've not had a a massive release of films over the last 12 months so yeah i guess it's kind of a given that that's what we would we would be i think next year's is going to be absolutely stacked and i think it's going to be probably a closer race next year I'm sure the naivety of us last year said the exact same thing. So hopefully, hopefully um, it will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it will. I think it'll be fine. I Let's think a lot of the ones that got pushed back from last year are going to come out this year. So there's yeah. definitely like going to be there's going to be more films to choose from anyway. There's going to be more things of note to piece together and stuff. You'll probably mm. find a lot more squabbles next year because there's going to be so many things coming out and everyone's going to have their own thing that the pushing for yeah and on that note we will uh, wrap it up for another week thank you very much for listening everybody uh again make sure you check us out on the socials at get real pod uh, across facebook instagram and twitter and if you're so inclined you can email us at get real pod uk at gmail.com chris how can people support the podcast best way to support the podcast is to leave us a rate and review wherever you listen to us whether that be apple podcasts Amazon Music, Spotify, anywhere like that. We are available on pretty much every platform you're probably going to listen to podcasts on, so wherever you are listening to us, leave us a rate and review on there. Um, If you head over to Podchaser, you can leave us a rate and review on there. And guess what? It'll syndicate it to all the other podcasters. We love that. It's it's just a little cherry on top of every podcast episode is when I get to say it just syndicates it to everywhere. 
it's just become a meme now where I have to say it. Even if I could think of a different way to put it, I'm not allowed to anymore. <laughs> contractually obliged to say syndicate now. Um, yeah, and also, share us out on your socials. Tell one friend about us. Tell two friends about us. Whenever you see us post a little social, a little soundbite every Monday and Wednesday when the different podcasts go out, just share it to your timeline wherever you are. Um, show us more love on the socials. Reply to us. Let us know what you think of everything. Um, just get engagement up. It gets more eyes on us, and that is honestly the best way to help the podcast grow. Uh, help us do what we do. Um, yeah, don't forget to check out the Sister Podcast, Get Real Gaming, every Wednesday. Don't know what they talked about this week, because I was thinking of last week's episode when they talked about Magic at the Gathering, which is a great episode, by the way. Um, we all had a Magic pre-release, and it was fucking grand. It was a great old time. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, That's it. Towards, see you next year's Oscars. Towards your <laughs> Hopefully it's better. Oscar winners, you all deserve Academy Awards. Yeah, we'll clap you out, everyone. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. We're going to play you out, Sam. Your speech has gone on too long. The Oscars need to wrap it up. Oh, I can hear hear them telling me in my ear to get off the stage. Okay, bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to thank my mum, my dad, my Has he shut up yet? Okay, time to end the show. Uh, Anthony Hopkins isn't here to claim the podcast, so goodbye, everybody.